Welcome back to Self Love Ignited. On today's episode, I am interviewing Amanda Stokes, and it is a good one. She gets real about her battle with bulimia, about coming clean, getting help, learning to embrace her body, and how she has created an amazing life and a movement to help the next generation her daughter and other girls of the world not have to go through the same body image crap that so many of us have gone through. Amanda is an author, educator, presenter, and seeker of life's lessons. She is also a mother to three and founder of Raising Strong Daughters. Amanda is also an eating disorder survivor who shares her story so others feel less alone. I cannot wait for you to meet Amanda. She is wonderful. Jump on it. My name is Katie Allen, and this is Self Love Ignited. Let's get to it. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode of Self Love Ignited, I am interviewing Amanda, and I cannot wait to get into this. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to everybody? Thank you so much for having me. So I am Amanda Stokes and I'm an educator. I'm an author. Uh, These days I'm a presenter. I'm a mother to three. I'm an eating disorder survivor and I'm a passionate advocate of young women and women in general and mothers who are bringing up girls in today's world, among many other things. I love it. I love it. And you and I first connected, I couldn't even tell you how many months ago and we went back and forth and then trying to find a time to record this. And I'm so happy that we finally have, because your, your story is incredible, but also your passion for what you do and your mission is something that I think everybody needs. Um, So yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for you taking the time. I'm very excited as well. It has been a long time coming, but they say every good thing, you need to wait a little while for it to happen. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so this podcast is all about self-love, right? Self-love ignited. That's what we're called. And and these episodes that I do, um, you know, these interviews that I do, it's really to help listeners see themselves in these stories. Because I think when we are struggling with our relationship with ourself or with our body, sometimes it can be really difficult to see how we could ever overcome that. It, it, it really is all consuming. So Amanda, I would love for you to share your story, you know, your struggles, your challenges, um, go back to the beginning and tell us how that all started for you. Okay. So Um, I'm going to start towards the end and then work my way backwards because it it makes it all make sense. Um, It was 2017 and I had been a dieter for as long as I could remember. Um, I developed an eating disorder at the age of 22 um, after growing up with a mother who had always dieted. So from a really young age, I came to understand that smaller bodies were better bodies. Um, My mum was never happy with her body and I was very aware of my body and I paid attention to 
the fact that I felt like all of my friends had smaller bodies than I did and I was very self-conscious growing up um you know time went on I became a mum um and I was always on or off a diet and was when my eldest daughter was six and at the time I was doing a low carb high fat diet and one night I was serving pasta for my kids and I would just eat the bolognese sauce I wouldn't have the pasta and my daughter asked me why she had to eat the pasta if I didn't have to eat it and I had this moment where I couldn't really give her an answer um, and then I started noticing we would have pizza and I would eat the top off my pizza because that was what I did. And she started to pick the top off her pizza too. And I had this realisation that, that if I didn't do something, I was going to impact another generation of women in my family. And it was a Wednesday night. I had first told my he wasn't my husband at the time but I had first told my husband that I had an eating disorder when I was about 26 and his response to me you know he he saw eating disorders as a choice you know people are making a choice they're making a decision and I knew in that moment that he was not going to be a support for me. At the time, I was seeing a therapist and there was no real connection between us. And so I just took my eating disorder underground at that point. Um, so when I was having all of these realisations about the impact I was having on my daughter, I made the decision that I was going to have to come clean and so I came home from work on a Wednesday night and I sat down with my husband and I told him I'd had an eating disorder for 20 years that I needed his support that Friday I was sitting down with my GP telling him I had an eating disorder for 20 years and I needed some support and the following Tuesday I was sitting down with an eating disorder therapist and my journey into recovery began um, and that was the start for me of realizing that if that was my story it was the story of many women because I am, you know, I was highly educated. I was very confident. Um, you know, people would say I would light up a room when I'd walk into it. And I always would think to myself, if only you knew, because nobody would have guessed it. Um, and so I had this realization of this must be many people's stories. The, the continuum of, of body image and eating disorders, that continuum is long. And yes, with my eating disorder, I was certainly down one end, but there are many, many of us who come in along that path. So I made the decision that I was going to share my journey of recovery. And I wrote a book and I started a movement called the Mirror Movement which was based on the fact that our children mirror our behaviour when it comes to how they see their bodies and the relationship that they have with food. So that is, um, that is a very long-winded answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's perfect. 
that's perfect. And I think you are absolutely right. If that was, if that was your story, if that was your truth in that moment, how, you know, how many women are out there doing the same thing? Yeah. And the only way that we heal this, both as individuals and as a society, is to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the summer before I came out, so it was about May that I, I came out. And the, that January, I was really unwell. You know, things were really, I was in a very bad place. And I came back from school holidays. I was a teacher at the time, full time. And I came back from the summer holidays and I had lost a lot of weight. And the compliments that I received were next level. You know, oh my God, you look amazing. You look so good. I'd go into a shop and people would say, you know, that I was their body goals. And all this time I would be thinking, if you knew the hell that I was living with, you wouldn't be saying those things to me. And, you know, it's now four years since I came out, four years since I made the decision that it was no longer going to be an option in my life. Um, and so many lessons that I learned along the way. Yeah. I, I want to touch on what, you know, one thing that you just said about when you were really sick and you were really in that dark place, but you had lost a lot of weight and all these people everywhere you went yeah were telling you how great you looked and, and this yeah. and that. And I always like to say, you know, just don't comment on people's bodies yes. ever, like yes. ever. Yeah. And, and because we live in a thin centric culture where thinner equals better yeah people think they're complimenting you yes there are so many things that I would rather be complimented on than my body and that is one of my number number one rules within my home is we don't comment on anybody's body because you never know what somebody's story is you never know who is you know who, who doesn't need to hear positive affirmations for what they're doing and I would so much rather somebody tell me my eye my eyes sparkle when I tell a story or that I inspire them and um, I would rather pay somebody a compliment based on who they are over how they look any day of the week and you know the thing is over my career as a dieter I always remembered the people who gave me compliments because when I had gained weight which is the inevitable the inevitable part of weight loss you always gain it back I would always feel very self-conscious when I saw those people again because I remember how proud they were and how impressed they were with my weight loss and those things stick in people's minds and so yeah 100% agree with you it's never worth it yeah it's yeah it's just it's it's never just don't do it yeah. so if you're listening anybody listening to this please stop commenting on people's bodies. Like I'm just yes. putting it out there. Like that's a blanket yes. statement, whether you think it's helpful or harmful or whatever you don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You, you just don't know. You just don't know. So Amanda, so you said that it's four years ago that you sort yeah. of came out and you asked your husband for support and then you yeah. went to um, your GP and then you went yes. and you saw um, a therapist very quickly within what, six? No, yeah. Less. Yeah. It was less than a week. Less than a week. Yeah. How was asking for help 
was that a hard thing for you to do? Um, well, you know, it's an interesting question because it was one of those things that for, for every year, I would get to my birthday and I would say, that's it, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I may, you know, two days I'd be successful and then I'd be back. Um, every new year, I was like, this is it. This is the year that it's not going to happen. And then, um, you know, I would be back there again. And so when I finally spoke it, I think I just felt enormous relief because it was such a heavy burden to hold. And, you know, I, I suffered from bulimia and you go to levels that you can't even imagine to make sure that you don't get caught. Like it is really, it's a deceptive, there's deception everywhere. And you, you feel like you are trying to stay five steps ahead of everybody else in the room. You know, you don't want anyone to notice. You, you plan everything. And it is exhausting. And I didn't realise until afterwards how much space was being taken up with thoughts of food, thoughts of, you know, when I was going to eat what I was planning on eating, like it was just all consuming. And so asking for help was the best thing that I ever did. Ever. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think for so many people, the idea of asking for help is so terrifying that it stops them from ever doing it. But I think hearing that it's actually the beginning of taking all that, that, that weight, that energetic, you know, that heaviness that's been on you, you get to take it off. It's just by asking for help. Yeah. And the therapist that I saw, I saw her for a few weeks and then um, she went away and then I went overseas and you know, I felt like I needed more. So I started reading and I was you know, I just became absorbed with understanding the lies of diet culture that I had fallen for for such a long time. And, you know, it was like having your eyes opened. And I couldn't believe that I had fallen for all of those messages. And I didn't understand how as a society, we were buying into those messages. And then I went overseas with my family. And I wasn't ready for, you know, trips had always been my uh, really struggle, you know, it was struggle street for me because there was always so much food, buffet breakfasts, and I relapsed on that trip. And I came back, I didn't tell my husband, um, but I went to see my therapist and I was just so flat. And she said to me, if your car broke down, you would take that car back to be repaired as many times as it needed to be fixed. And she said, you are no different to that car. And that was the last time because I realized in that moment that I was worthy of repairing. And I never looked back after that. That's incredible. That's incredible. What a therapist. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you found a good one. It sounds like. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah. So what has fill in the the last four years for me so you you asked for help you started getting help you had that relapse which I understand was not too far in it was pretty close to the beginning yeah it was was pretty close to the beginning yeah so what 
have you done to support yourself and your journey over the last four years? How has that evolved? So in the very early days, um, it was just about getting through each day. So, um, you know, I would lie in bed at night and when you have been somebody who, who purges, to lie in bed with feelings of fullness is incredibly uncomfortable. And I just, you know, I talked myself through it and I said, you're going to be fine, just wait for the morning, just try and sleep and and I would wake up in the morning and I'd be like you did it and then the next day I would question the idea that I wasn't worthy of having food in me like how sad is that that I thought that it was actually true that I wasn't worthy of keeping nourishment and I started to um I call it my unlearning So I started looking at myself differently in the mirror. I started saying positive things when my kids were nearby. Um, I would compliment my arms and I would compliment my body. Um, There was one morning I was getting dressed and one of my kids came in and she said, mum, your butt's really big. And I said, thank you, darling. I said, I love my butt. I said, this is what women's bottoms look like. I said, they've got lumps and bumps and jiggly bits and squishy bits. I said, your bottom's going to look like that one day. And she just looked at me as though to say, okay. And she walked off. And in that moment, I thought I have to keep talking the talk because they are going to learn from me. And so, you know, I try and get up every morning and I try and smile at myself in the mirror. There's a mirror opposite the toilet. I try and start the day with a smile. Um, I change the channel in my mind if negative thoughts come back in. And I remind myself still to this day, I remind myself that nobody actually cares about the size of my thighs. Nobody values me for for those things, that I make a contribution to the world that is much greater than my physical body. Um, And, you know, like I think you have to be real about it, though. I still have times where I have, you know, not a great body image day, but I don't dwell there. You know, I get on with my day and I focus on it less. And maybe that day I spend less time looking in the mirror and more time doing the things that I love. And I just try to get on with my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it never stops. Like this is a journey. I always like to say like you're relationship with yourself and with your body will evolve every single day until the day that you die if it if it stops evolving then you're not living anymore like 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 there is no end point and even I mean you know I have this podcast self-love ignited I still have days that are off like we all do it just doesn't suck you as deep as it used to yeah the spiral is not like the spiral of death it's the spiral of oh crap not again let's get out of it yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. You know, I'm I'm a relief teacher these days and and today the the kids that I'm working with doing a swimming program, they're they're grade two, so they're seven and eight year olds. And I was watching them all by the pool and they are not self-conscious yet. There are bellies that are hanging out and there are, you know, they are loud and proud, and some of them are small and proud, and they are everything we should be. 
And it's so sad to think that over the next few years, society will get to them. The way their mothers talk about their bodies will get to them. The way we compare ourselves to other people will get to them. But right now, we all need to we all need to grab onto our inner seven year old and just live our lives. Oh, I could not love that anymore. Grab onto your inner seven year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that note, the work that you do is amazing. And I know that it is very closely tied with your own journey of recovery. So Amanda, tell us about your book and tell us about your work and your mission. Okay, so this is another story in itself. So when I came out in 2017, um, I had known when I was about 21 that I was meant to be inspiring people. I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I wanted to do all of these things, but I knew that nobody was going to listen to a 21-year-old. I needed life experience. And so I went on with my life and I went into teaching. And when I came out about the eating disorder, I felt like I had discovered what it was I was meant to do. I was meant to be working with mums to raise body confident kids. And so started the mirror movement. And then at the end of 2017, I went to my principal at school and I said, I'm going to start a blog over the holidays. And I was working at a private school at the time. And she said, you can't, you can't work and do that. You know, it, it couldn't happen because if somebody was to take my advice, the school would get sued and so it just didn't work and this was three days out from the end of a school year and I made the decision that I was going to resign and so I resigned from this great job and 2018 came around I was so excited for what the future was going to bring I had this idea for positive body image dolls. And so I flew to China, developed a prototype, came back, loads of media attention, was on TV, all of these crazy things were happening. Then that fell in a heap because it just didn't work. And then Mattel came out with their own body image dolls and wrote my book. Uh, Whenever I did manage to get somebody to read it, they would say it was, you know, really powerful and every mum should read it, but I just couldn't get people to read it. And I would run events um, and I ran events where nobody turned up. And I I felt like mums felt like that if they turned up, they were admitting that they were doing something to impact their kids. And so, you know, for two years, I tried and tried, um, but it was just not working. Working. And I woke up January of 2020 and I made the decision that I would change from mirror movement to raising strong daughters and body image would become one component of a much greater, greater whole. And people started to listen and people started to read my book. So the mirror mirror on my wall, which is my first book, is my story um, from growing up from an early age with a mum who dieted. Um, It is my story of coming out. And then it's all the things that I had to unlearn, all the things that if I had have known those things, I probably would never have started my career as a a dieter. Um, So that was my passionate book. I've since written another book, uh, which is called The Twain Mother's Toolbook. That one 
covers body image for mums, but it's more about understanding who we are, knowing why we do the things we do, understanding humans, um, and just working towards being kinder to ourselves. So it's been it's been a ride. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it. This ride that you've been on, would you call this like does the term self-love, is this you stepping into self-love? Is this more about body acceptance? Is it like, is there a term that you use or that feels most true for you? Yeah, for me, it's self-compassion because for such a long time, I lacked compassion towards myself. You know, I was so unkind to myself for the longest time. Um, the things I put my body through, the, the way I spoke to myself, and I just want to make up for that now. And so I lead with kindness and I lead with compassion when it comes to myself. Um, and I think that that has been the greatest gift that I have been able to give myself because you know when you struggle for as long as some of us have struggled for you don't want that to have been for nothing so if you can lead the way forward with kindness and understanding and and warmth towards yourself and you know it's all because you have learned from the road you have taken um I think you know it takes us to a better place yeah 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 a hundred percent now, I'm curious if there is somebody listening to this who is maybe still in the depths of an eating disorder where you were five, six, you know, 10 years ago, maybe they haven't been able to fully admit it to themselves yet or, or speak to any other support system about it. What words of advice or what tips do you have to give to them to begin? So my my biggest piece of advice would be to remember that you are worth it and it doesn't matter how many times you try and fail as long as you keep trying um, don't give up on yourself it doesn't matter if it takes you 10 years to get there if you keep going, you will get there. And, and what I would find is I would get a little bit closer each time. You know, it would be a little bit longer between the, the binges and the purges. It would, you know, each time it was a little bit, I'd get a little bit closer. Um, but you just have to keep going because, you know, there is no reason why somebody else is worthy of living a good life and you aren't. You know, there's nothing that you have done that deserves you to be going through what you're going through. And so dig as deep as you can and find somebody that you can share your story with. Just speak. You know, we hold so much shame about these things. But in, in truth, when we speak, we realise that other people might not be suffering in the same way, but other people are suffering. You know, people can relate. You're not alone. Yeah. So to, you know, just believe that you can. Yeah. And I think, Amanda, you sitting here today, us having this conversation and you sharing your story, you are proof. Yeah. You are proof that there is life and there is amazing life. Yeah, you're an eating disorder. And the, you know, I mean, the lights turn on and you can make your life whatever you want it. Yeah. Be. 
you do have to choose. You do, because there was a time before I, you know, got to this point where I was sure that this was just my life. I was sure of it. I couldn't see any way that it would be different. Um, but, you know, here we are today. So you just have to just keep your eyes ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if there's anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, they want to find out more about your Raising Strong Daughters movement, which I just, I don't have children, but one day when I do, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and I have, I have a niece um, and I want to um, get your books for my sister. Yeah. Um, please tell us how people can find out more about your work, about your books and how they can get in touch with you. Okay, so I am very active on Instagram for anybody that loves a bit of Instagram action. So you can find me there at Raising Strong Daughters with an underscore at the end. If you don't put the underscore on, you won't find me. Um, my website uh, is raisingstrongdaughters.com.au um, and I run events all over the place. Sometimes I talk about this story that we've been talking about today. Um, other times I, I talk with mums and daughters on, on how to raise self-aware kids. Um, Facebook, I think you've got the link for my Facebook. It's got a little bit of mirror movement in it and a bit of raising strong daughters in the name. So I, it always confuses me. <laughs> Facebook wouldn't let me change when I, when I changed my name. Um, so there are a few ways that we can be in touch. Okay, beautiful. I'll make sure to put all of the links to everything in the show notes. So even the weird, confusing Facebook one, it will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's hard when you're confused. Yeah, well, that's Facebook for you. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, so Amanda, as we're sort of getting ready to wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to say? Is there anything else that's that's on your mind, that's on your heart that feels important? Oh, golly. I mean, I think the most important thing that I wanted to say, I think I said just before, which is believe that you can do hard things and don't hold on to shame. There's no shame in your story. And one of my favourite favorite quotes is, you know, one day your story will be somebody else's survival story. And I think we all have the potential to be that for someone. Um so realize that you are magical and treat yourself like you would a friend you know talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend and and if you wouldn't say it to a friend then you don't say it to yourself and see yourself through the eyes of the people who love you when you are struggling the most to find good things about yourself see yourself through their eyes think about how they would see you that's a really important part as well yeah yeah we are we're so critical of ourselves but our loved ones love us for a reason do yeah and sometimes yeah. sometimes it's okay to borrow that a little bit yes yeah absolutely yeah 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 okay amanda we're gonna leave it there this has been wonderful long overdue but so 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 good and i just know that your story is now the inspirational story to others and it has the capacity to incite healing and transformation and i'm just i'm so grateful for you and your honesty and your truth and your presence with me here today thank you Thank you so much for allowing me to share. And I really do hope that somebody out there needs to hear it and realizes that 
that they can have the same sort of ending. Absolutely. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. All of the links mentioned during the episode are down in the show notes. Please make sure to go on over and check them out. Also, please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And I would be forever grateful if you would go on over and leave us a review on iTunes as well. That's going to help this message reach more women. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Here is to you loving yourself.